You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. Money, 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 money. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, Pastor of Redemption Hill Church, located in the Des Moines Metro, back at you with another podcast, and it's been a minute, my main man Logan's with me, how you doing? Uh, doing great, and uh, I guess to us, a minute is like months. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. For God, a day is like a thousand years, for us a minute is a few months. No joke, it's been a, mi- been a while, and that's okay, uh, we have lives, and uh, we work hard, and uh we serve our church and so things go on, you know, so I don't hate on that. Uh, now you do appreciate all those who have like this massive consistency when they do their podcasting and their blogging and stuff like that. I can commend that. Um, but, uh, you know, life's all about priorities and, uh, rightly ordering them, um, uh, to the glory of God. Right. Absolutely. And then, uh, today we're doing it differently. Usually I come all the way down to who knows where Iowa uh, and to record, but yep, now we're going to yep. try the distance. Maybe with the with being able to do this from a distance, we can be more consistent. Reminds me of a song from a distance. No one wants to hear me sing, but you know. No, you've now sung twice. Twice, one with the intro and now yep. that. So yeah, right. Which I I have a terrible voice and I can't sing on beat. So congratulations, everyone. You get to hear me sing. All right, uh, to the matters at hand, Logan. What are we talking about today? Uh, today we're going to talk about probably one of, I feel like maybe it's, it's not as prevalent as it used to be, but it's still very prevalent across the world. It is the prosperity gospel. I feel like when I was in like college, this was talked about all the time and now it's like, but it's still something very important that's out there. Yeah. So here's my observation about the prosperity gospel. It's actually just as prevalent as it was when people were in college or whatever. I mean, I'm 42 and the people are talking about it and you know, you're younger than me and they were talking about it. I, I think it's taken on a different form. I think yeah. back in the day you had your main figureheads, you know, and we'll talk about like the Benny Hens or the movement or Joel Steen or whatever else have you, but it's actually crept into churches and it's taken on the same form, just more subtle. And so that's where I'm like, well, you know, we might be able to laugh at the Joel Steens of the world and be like, you're, you know, come on, man, the ruse mm-hmm. is up, you know, right. But actually his, his um, theology, I guess, his philosophy has crept into, you know, your average, you know, middle-sized church. And so we're going to talk about that. And and in some ways, if it's becoming more subtle and creeping in, that makes it more dangerous. Oh, that's right. Because it's harder to call out, right? Exactly. Like it's easy to poke holes at the guy who's got the 30,000 people attending his church or whatever it is. You know, you're just a little guy, and you're poking. He doesn't care. No one's gonna. But, but when you start poking, poking at the guy who has like, you know, he's shepherding a hundred people, and all of a sudden he's been inundated with a prosperity gospel theology. All of a sudden, it feels differently. Uh, he's not doesn't have the YouTube channel, but you 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 went to that church that one day, and all of a sudden he's preaching the prosperity gospel, and you're like, well, what? And, you know, I thought this was a Baptist church or non denominational church or a Methodist church or whatever. Um. It's definitely crept in. I think the prosperity gospel is more than just a couple figureheads. I think it's an American thing. And as we'll talk about in a minute, it's our greatest, uh, sadly, our greatest export to the world has been the prosperity gospel. Right. 
Um, with that, I think it's always important to like define our terms. You know me, I like to yep. be precise in what we mean. Um, so what would you call the prosperity gospel? How would you define it? So uh, very simply, the prosperity gospel to me is a me-centered movement. It takes everything and turns it back in on the self. It's all about what I can get from God. It's, it, I think of it like, right. um, like a genie, God's the genie in the bottle. If I just rub, uh, or a genie in the lamp, right. If I just rub the lamp, you know, God pops out, I get my wishes and then God delivers on the wishes as opposed to a God centered theology where mm-hmm. you deserve nothing at the right. end of the day, you deserve absolutely nothing. And anything you do have, you, you thank God with gratitude right. and you say to him, be the glory. Very different approaches, very different um, perspectives to life. It's worldview shaping, actually. When you live a me-centered way, you walk around all day and say, well, I I deserve that. I deserve that. I deserve that. Um, And and, um, we'll talk about more of the granular details of the prosperity gospel movement here in a moment. But broadly speaking, that's how you live. It's like, ah, I deserve that Rolls Royce. Maybe it's not a Rolls Royce. Maybe it's like just a you know, Honda, you know, it's like, sure. What does not matter? Uh, anything that says I deserve is a prosperity gospel. Right. I think, oops, sorry, uh, go ahead. No. So what I was going to say, that's why I think it's, it's gotten into the churches in a subtle way is that you go mm-hmm. to your, your average church today in America, evangelical church, and, uh, you show up and it's like, uh, you, you can do this. You deserve this. You know, it has such a me, our worship is me focused, our worship and song. And so that's why it's like, we don't call it the prosperity gospel, but it has certainly crept in. All the application points are about what you need to do, be a better businessman. I have no problem with a person being a better business person. I have no problem with a person being better at anything, right? But where's the aim? Is it for the sake of yourself or is it for the sake of God? Yeah, I think you're definitely getting to the heart of it where where like it's definitely all about me and what i can get out of it yeah what i find interesting is the language that is used because it's not usually when people are in this or like believe in this it's not like oh i deserve these things it's that god wants those things for me right yep you know um i i've always um heard it summed up as like god wants you to be uh, happy healthy and wealthy yeah um and so why do you deserve that new car? Well, God wants me to be happy and wealthy. Like that car is a sign of, you know, thing of health, a uh, thing of wealth. Well, yeah, just tell that to a first century martyr, right? Right. It's like, how, did you live your best life now as you were being crucified? I guess the, the martyr didn't have enough faith to live, obviously. Right. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. you see how, and then this is where it's so easy to, succumb to the prosperity gospel movement in America mm-hmm. because if we're really being, if we look at the corridors of history and if we're, if we're really going to be honest with ourselves, American Christians have it so stinking easy. They oh, really do. They really absolutely. do. They've, they've, they've had the prosperity gospel laid at their lap and they've taken it up and said, okay, this is great. I don't have to suffer. And any, any suffering I do have, I can just pray it away. Right. Right. I mean, it's, it, the prosperity gospel is easy to hold on to when, you know, you're already in a wealthy country. God oh, wants yeah. me to be happy and wealthy. Oh, well, I'm already kind of wealthy and that makes me happy. So it almost validates the lifestyle you're already living or already seeking. Right. And, you know, 
it was story time, right? So um, as most people who know me, uh, they know I grew up Catholic, uh, Roman, Irish, Catholic, grew up watching Notre Dame football, the whole whole nine yards um, in, in Eastern Iowa in Dubuque, which is a, at the time was just very Catholic, uh, German Catholics and Irish Catholics. And, uh, you know, so I didn't hear the gospel for quite a while, actually. Um, I didn't hear the gospel until I was 18. And that's different from a lot of people I know. They grew up in a Christian home or um, they're just, it's their town was more diverse, whatever. Well, the first time I heard the gospel was at a Word of Life church, which is a Word of Faith movement, right? Uh, Word of Life, you can think of it as a kind of a denomination, right? They're out of Oklahoma, I think. Sure. And the Word of Faith movement is really part of the prosperity gospel. So That's right. That's right. And so I I went to church and I heard about free grace, you know? Um, um, Basically, it's uh, Ephesians 1.8, excuse me, Ephesians 2.8. And I was like blown away. And so I heard it. I think the Lord didn't save me at that moment, but um, I heard it and it was out of word of life, word of faith, you know, type of church. And so this is where I think there's danger in the prosperity gospel. You hear a lot of the, you hear all the same words, grace, love, salvation, but it's packaged differently. And that's dangerous. It's different than, you know, something that's clearly heretical that, you know, two things are standing next to each other. And it's like, these are not the same thing. Well, with, with, uh, right. with the prosperity gospel, it's like, well, that sounds, that sounds orthodox, but it's not. That's kind of, yeah. That's kind of interesting that you bring that up. It's like, they're using the same words, but different meanings. That reminds me of when we were talking like those Mormons at the coffee shop where we use very similar words, meaning totally different things. Well, hold on, hold on. Context, like, context. You want to, you want to give the context okay. of that story? So yeah, there was uh, some Mormons. We got the have the opportunity to meet up and just sort of discuss our beliefs and our one of theology. Them, one of them faith. DM'd me and they're like, "Hey, pastor, do you want to catch up?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure. I'm bringing a friend too, by yeah. the way." <laughs> yeah, that way it's not a two on one sort of deal. Because yeah. Um, yeah, they're always in pairs, and they were yep. missionaries to Iowa, um, and so it was a wonderful conversation. But in it, we had to really suss out definitions and what we meant by certain words because what they mean and what we mean, very different things. Like if we say like, oh, yeah, we love Jesus and they go like, oh, we love Jesus, too. We're talking about very different Jesuses if you like go down to the brass tacks. Yeah. My goal in that conversation was to get them to see we're not the same. Yeah. Which we did. Yeah. At the end, they're like, yeah, we don't agree. And I'm like, good, good. Right. Stop calling yourself a Christian. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> I didn't say that, uh, but uh. um, with the prosperity gospel, a similar example is like, um, we'll say like, uh, we'll talk about God's blessings. Mm-hmm. You know, God, God has blessed us. Well, what is oftentimes meant in the prosperity gospel is God's blessing is monetary, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously if you have been given wealth, that is a blessing from God. Absolutely. Um, you know, Ecclesiastes talks about like, you should, you know, en- enjoy your wealth because that's your law. That's what you've been given. But like you look at Ephesians one, where it's like, oh, it's all the spiritual blessings. Like there's so many other blessings that the mm-hmm. Bible sp- speaks on rather than just monetary, but the prosperity gospel focuses on the monetary and the physical. Um, so here's where I would say uh, two things. One, the prosperity gospel demands the physical blessings. So that's the one it demands. For sure. It. The second thing I would say is it, it demands it immediately. 
So, so as you're, you rightly pointed out, Ephesians one, the the inheritance that Christians are going, the, the spiritual inheritance which mm-hmm. Christians are going to receive. Now, Christians are going to receive physical a, a physical inheritance as well. That that's that is a true statement. Uh, when it's a new a new heaven and a new earth, right? A renewed um, garden cities, I say. When you go to Revelation twenty one twenty two, that's a, that's a, that's physical. We're headed back to the garden, right? Um, but oftentimes, as is the case, the, the physical points to the spiritual. Like it's it, the reason why that's so important is that it's God dwelling with us. Um, that's that's the point. Mm-hmm. The the, the uh, physical blessings, or excuse me, the, the physical. Uh, the prosperity gospel and what they want to receive physically, it's always immediate and it's always because they've done the right things. And that's, that's just legalism. Right. They've done the right things to receive, you know, the reward. In right. the moment. Like, yeah. Cause a lot of it's tied up with like the sort of name it and claim it. You need to claim these things by faith and have faith in order to receive the blessings of God. You need to sow seeds of faith, which is just giving money to the church Right. In order to, you know, reap what you have sown so that you can get more money and prosperity and health, that sort yep. of thing. So there's always stuff that you need to do in order to receive God's blessings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and what we would say in, in response to that is we, whatever whatever good works God has prepared for us uh, before, beforehand, Ephesians 2.10, uh, we do that to the glory of God. Not Absolutely. expect Not expecting any return or reward or al- although God could do that mm-hmm. like if we work hard with our hands and you receive a paycheck praise God right you worked mm-hmm. hard and you you got that paycheck uh, that's not what we're saying we we turn it all back toward God as opposed to turning things back on the self and that, that comes back to the center of the prosperity gospel and the stark difference between Orthodox Christianity and the prosperity gospel is that we turn all things back to God and we say thank you. We we take the paycheck and we we lift our hands up and say this is yours. Mm-hmm. This is yours. Um, yep. I don't deserve it. It belongs to the Lord. So that's it. Is there anything else? Uh, any other terms you want to use to define prosperity gospel, Logan? Um, those are so it's like the you know pray, believe, live righteously. You know you receive blessings, um, name and claim and faith. I did want to go through a few quotes that I found. Because we've we've said a lot about like, oh, this is what the prosperity gospel is, but I wanted to give like examples, you know, so that we're not just, you know, uh, blowing smoke. Um, So one that I found found that is interesting is uh, from Joel Olstein, who I would say is probably maybe you probably agree with this. Joel Olstein is probably like the prosperity gospel guy. He's the face of it. I mean, at least in the last uh, 20 years, he's the face of it. And part of that is his Lake Lakeland church and i think houston lakewood lakewood something like that um lake yeah. something and then he's i'm using your quotes he's a writer he's an author mm, right um, true so he's put out some books live your best life now yeah oh see that reminds me of the rapper shylin in his rap he said uh if you're living less your best life now you're heading for hell yeah totally yeah because uh, there's a better life to come uh, quote from Joel Olstein: It is God's will for you to live in prosperity instead of poverty. It's God's will that you pay your bills and not be in debt. It's like that's an example of like he's giving this idea that poverty is not your will. He wants God wants you to be rich and prosperous, hmm. which seems to be antithetical to a lot of the Christian lives that we've seen, you know, throughout yeah. uh, the Bible as well as like early church 
you know, I look at that sentence. It's, it's two sentences. If if it's if it's God's will for you to live in po- uh, prosperity instead of poverty, no, I don't agree with that. It's God's will for you to pay your bills. Well, yeah, if you owe somebody, pay right. your pay your money. But this is where you where you have like the truth sprinkled in with sure. with, with the lie, and then all of a sudden you're kind of like mm-hmm. you got to step back and be like, oh, hold on a second. If I do live in poverty, even though I pay my bills, mm-hmm. that might be God's will for me. Yeah. Um, I see my head's in Ecclesiastes recently. So I'm like, I'm just thinking about like the, the passages of uh, like, do your toil and rejoice in it for that's your lot. Like sometimes you're just going to have to work mm. and you're not mm. going to be wealthy. It's actually contrasted with those that have wealth, right. um, which I just find interesting. Yeah. Um, then I have uh, a few from Benny Hinn. One is uh, God will begin to prosper you for money always follows righteousness. Sheesh. That's a, that's money always follows righteousness. Oh my gosh. Yep. What and that's why, I, you know, Jesus was extremely wealthy. He had a big old mansion. Uh, same with Peter and Paul. They were just super well off because they were oh, so righteous. The, money just followed the, them. The villa on the lake. That's what they had. Yeah. Oh wait, no. Mm. No, no, very poor. Yeah, like that's that's the type of line. Because like, think about like what that can do to a person when they are poor. Mm-hmm. I don't have money for some reason. No matter what I do, I don't have money. Am I not righteous if I'm not living righteously enough? Yeah, like you so, see how this starts to become so works. Yeah, workspace is indeed the case. And so here's the question I have: we we let out with this idea that. The prosperity gospel is our greatest export, sadly. Right. Why why are countries that are, that do not prosper like the United States, why do they seem to latch on to the prosperity gospel? And one one quick anecdotal story. I can't remember if I was in Uganda or Rwanda. May have been Zambia. I don't know. It was an African country. Let's just stick with the continent. Sure. Um and uh, we go to their version of a mall, right? And then you know how, like, in the middle of a big mall, you have, like, the middle kiosks or whatever, you know, you can set up tables in the middle of the... Right, yeah. With, with stores on both sides. And so there was this quasi-bookstore there. And so I stopped by, and all of a sudden, like, I'm looking at their... What their version is a religious section. Like, if you go to Barnes & Noble or something. Well, all the books were prosperity gospel. All of them. I mean, it was all your big hitters wow. in terms of prosperity gospel. There was nothing orthodox on the table. And but I found that wasn't there. And no, yeah, no MacArthur, no, no Piper, no, no, your, you know, our campus reformed. Yeah. None of that. Um, all of it was prosperity gospel. And, uh, that saddened me. It's like this, this is what they're receiving from America. It's like, this is the best we can do. <laughs> right. Know? It's like, ah. I, I got to think that it's popular because of like desperation and like hope. Yes. Like, you know, I mentioned how it could be easy to latch on to the prosperity gospel in America because we're already a rich country. And so you, you kind of like validate your lifestyle through that. Mm-hmm. But maybe the flip side's true when you are poor and impoverished, it gives you a lot of hope to think like, oh yeah, God wants me to be rich. I just need to live righteously and he will bless me with money. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think that God gives blessings and curses in accordance to how we act? I, I actually do believe that. 
And that's a that's okay. a that's a scriptural thread all the way through. But here's here's the difference between you know what I think is an orthodox view of blessing and cursing mm-hmm. and, and the prosperity gospel. Um God assigns that according to the counsel of his will, according to the purpose of his will. Right. As opposed to me signing an expectation for my righteous ways. That's mm-hmm. that's a key difference. God will bless and curse according to the counsel of his will, according to his divine purposes. If I live righteously every day of my life, and I even save up money so I can pass it down generationally, God has um, no prerogative to, to necessarily bless that um, extraordinarily, right? Uh, where prosperity gospel would be like, God, look, look, I checked all the boxes. Again, this goes back to, and I can keep re-emphasizing this, a me-focused or a God-focused way of living. Uh, a me-focused theology or a um, God-focused right. theology, which, you know, theos is God. We need to talk about theology. Um, part of all this, I, I probably alluded it to you, to it before, just this sort of a word of faith or the name and claim it. It's mm-hmm. that idea that you have to claim what you want. Yeah. Uh, I have a quote from Benny Hinn. God will not move unless I say it. Mm. Why? Because he made us coworkers with him. He set things up that way. Yeah. God will not move unless I claim what I want. Yeah. That's that's super dangerous. What a trampling on the sovereignty of God. Oh, no joke. And and that's the thing. It is a trampling on the sovereignty of God. It's a trampling on his providence. Right. You know, I I've again, someone might be thinking to yourself, like, hey, what's the difference between uh, maybe like a post mill way of thinking, an optimistic mm-hmm. um way of living in the moment, right? Where sure the spiritual and the physical kind of come in and, and the prosperity gospel. Right. And Christ is transforming the the world through the church to be in more conformity with the gospel. Right. And and the difference is huge. Uh the difference mm-hmm. is we are we are vice regents for God. Okay. We live in a particular way where God gets all the glory. And if that means we're in poverty and God gets all the, all the glory, so be it. Where the prosperity gospel, with their focus on the material, they are certainly um, uh, believing that they deserve something because of the mm-hmm. way they live. And again, this goes back to a previous point. We deserve nothing at the end of the day. Before God, we are sinners in the hands of an angry God, to quote Jonathan Edwards. And uh, right. we, deserve, we deserve nothing. I think this final quote that I have from Paul White really, really highlights that sort of self-focus or man-focused theology. Um, it says, by your words, you form your destiny and you say within your, uh, what you say within yourself determines the end promise of your life. Your future lives in your mouth. Oof. Oof. Oh, may the, these, all these folks need to repent. Yeah. Um, Absolutely, they are they are wolves in sheep's clothing. Yeah, I mean you can. Oh. Benny Hinn's uh, was his his nephew, his son. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Costi, I think his name is. Yeah, I think it's his nephew has really uh, oh. called Benny Hinn out. And uh, and uh, there was a moment where it seemed like Benny Hinn repented. Uh, this was a couple of years ago now. 
but I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was like a moment. Okay. Because I think the next week he kind of went back to it. I'd have to check up on him. Anyone that's listening is obviously free to check to see where Benny Hinn's at because there was a moment where he he repented of the prosperity gospel and named it specifically. But yeah, I thought I heard that he went back to it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought too. But um, the Lord's hand can still save and bring about repentance and may he do so. Absolutely. I just, with this Paula White quote, the you form your destiny, mm-hmm. like you're in control. Oh, oh, instead of God in control, I am in control. And what I say will come true. But don't you see how, once again, that kind of quote from Paula White has absolutely made its way into your average American evangelical church, right? Give an example. Um, well, no, I've, I've been to these churches before where it's like, mm-hmm. um, they talk about this, the word destiny. I mean, these are kind of buzzwords. Sure. There's a ton of buzzwords that people. Yeah. I didn't use. mean call out a specific church, but like what, what's a saying that you've heard from the pulpit or from, from church leaders that you think. Yeah. It's, crept in? I don't know if it's like a saying, but it's this idea that it is your destiny to do this, your destiny to do that. You know, you have like entire programs that are, that are using that kind of language. Sure. Um, and there's, there's other language that are kind of buzzwords like authentic. It's another word that gets thrown around. But my, my point is, is that um, my destiny is wrapped up in the will of God. That's a huge difference than being like, my destiny is wrapped up in my will. Sure. Two, two totally different approaches. Sure. And, and a lot of churches are saying, no, you go do it. You go, this is your destiny to live your right. best life now or whatever else have you. And it's like, whoa, no. I mean, you are more than conquerors. It's like you like slip in those. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Bible verse. Just throw in a couple, little bit of Romans eight and just sprinkle it in and, you know, it'll sound good. And then you realize when you read the entire paragraph, you're like, ah, oh, crap, we're back to me centered theology or right. meology as, as I heard one YouTuber say. Ooh, that's, that's good. That's clever. We, yeah. we can steal that. I mean, adopt it. Adopted, we don't yeah. steal. Yeah. yeah. Um. Then I think it's important. So those are some of the, you know, quotes I've found that really show what these, I mean, heretics, they're heretics it shows what they believe. Um, But I also want to discuss like, and go over some of the Bible verses that they teach and use to sort of support themselves. Cause like, people aren't just listening to them because they are saying good things. They are wrapping it and couching it uh, in a veneer of God's word um, to try and support themselves. And so I think it's important to look at some of the Bible verses they may use and really think through, is their interpretation correct? Um, Can I make a point? Um, Go for it. And it's something that's worth saying. I don't fear the atheist. I don't fear the one who's just, the secularist who hates, you know, it's like, I don't agree with Christianity and I speak ill of Christianity or whatever. Sure. I don't fear them. I know where they stand. You know, it's clear. At least it's pretty honest. Uh, what's going to destroy the church is not what happens on the outside. It's what happens on the inside. It's those who take God's words, the, the wolves and sheep's clothing, as you said earlier. Yeah. It's those who take God's word and subtly bring in the lie. Sure. It's those that need to be feared, actually. And that's why um, churches need good shepherds who can discern well and detect the lie well. 
um, that's really, it's really important. And it's more needed now, at least in my lifetime, it's needed now more than ever because the subtle lies, I mean, golly, this is a whole nother podcast, Logan. But like, even as I think back to like, you know, 2020, 2021 and the government shutdowns and everything that happened during that time, like all the lies that crept into the church from, from pastors. Right. I, I know it's getting a little off topic, you know, it's a rabbit that's going um, a little wayward here, but it's the same thing. It's like, you know, pastors are bringing in the lie and sprinkling mm-hmm. it with a couple of Bible verses. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what just happened here? And so for our part, we, we stand with orthodoxy, first of all, right. As, as scripture, as our, as our authority. Um, and we want to do everything we can to be faithful to God and keep all lies out. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I think like really what you're talking about, talking about like the sphere i think it's it's summed up by second peter 2 quite well i'm just going to read a section yeah uh, it's it's starting in verse one i'm just going to read through verse three and this is just this is just really talking about what you're talking about um second peter 2 but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies even denying the master who bought them bringing upon them swift destruction and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. Yeah. Like that is the description of these people. They are false teachers who are leading people astray through their sensuality and false words. I would say you have those who are um, leading churches. I refuse to call them pastors who are with their charisma, right? Sure. Um, We are such a uh, culture that follows the charisma. Oh yeah. Like, have you listened to Joel Osteen? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. The charisma of that man. Like he speaks very well. It gives me like warm, fuzzy feelings in my heart. (laughs) You know? Yeah, because totally. he's 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 so good at what he does, and that makes him all. But he's a good communicator, for sure. And that and and I I can commend that and be like, yeah, thanks. But he's using his ability to communicate for wicked, uh, for wickedness. Gain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so bi- um, more Bible Bible verses that can be used out of context. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I was looking up some of the Bible verses that they use. Uh, This one is from Luke 6, uh, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, uh, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Uh, Every hand up, every knee bowed. Yeah. I've heard this one used all the time. Yeah. I mean, I've seen this. I mean, a lot of it is used about like giving financially to the church. Yes. You know, we know you should be giving to the church. Uh, I think of it as a free will offering. Um, but what they do for this, especially this verse, is is not only are you going to give, but you're going to receive back from you from what you give. You know, it's the the sow the seed and you will reap yeah. tenfold. Um right. 
I mean, no, usually it's the prosperity gospel preacher that reaps the tenfold. <laughs> can can God bless faithfulness? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. At 100%. Do, mm-hmm. do you deserve that blessing of from God for being faithful? Nope. You're you're faithful because of who God is and because of the cross. <laughs> that's yeah. why you're faithful. Right. And that's what that's what gets lost in translation. Our faithfulness is not because of any uh any demand of us in the moment, mm-hmm. but it's because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Right. He saved my soul. Mm-hmm. He's forgiven me of my sins. He is I owe loyalty and obedience. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh you are a peasant in front of a king. And that's why you're faithful. Right. And then the question comes though with this Bible verse. Is this is is money really what this Bible verse is talking about? No, of course not. No. It's about Just... the disposition of the heart. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I have all these Bible verses pulled up and like, literally this is all I do to try and get the context of these verses is I go one verse before and yeah. one verse after, and that's all I need. Um, the verse just before this, it says, judge not, and you will not be judged, condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Even before that it says like, show mercy and you will receive mercy, forgive, and you will be forgiven. And then, and then it says, give, and it will be given to you. It's talking about mercy and forgiveness. It has nothing to do with money. Right. Nothing. What does the uh, the T-shirt or the the coffee mug say? I can do all things with a verse taken out of context or something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that comes from uh, Reformed Sage or something like that. It's. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I can do all things through verse uh, taken out of context. Yeah. Um, one verse I found to support that whole like name it and claim it idea, um, is James four, two says you do not have because you do not ask. Do you Mm. want that raise, Mm. Mm. Sean? Do you Mm. want that raise? No, you know what I want? I want a brand new truck. I Mm. want a three quarter ton truck. Yeah. I want You'll finally get that Ram so you can stop taking your Ford into the shop. Hey, 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 hey. My Ford F-150 is doing just fine. Plus, I know everything I fixed on it. If you if you replace enough parts, is it the same Ford? That's <sighs> a fair question. Uh, for a while, it was like a Duralast truck. It has become a Duralast <laughs> truck. Everything from AutoZone is like the same brand. It's like, yeah, Duralast part. Just throw it right in. Right. So but you like, don't have the newest Ford F-150 because you three, do not yeah, ask the Lord. Oh, 350. Yeah, Sorry, like you do not have the new ford 350 because you do not ask in faith to receive it brother uh, i gotta i need more faith i need more faith man you need more faith i just had more faith for yep. a new truck that has a gooseneck trailer you know hitch uh that's what i need mm-hmm. absolutely so and we're making fun of it right and but the thing right. is that's that's the lie right yeah that it feel like you and, just put your hand on it pray over it all of a sudden you receive that. You see how dangerous that is? It's right. terribly dangerous. Yeah. And and then we're like, okay, so this is the verse they use. Well, what's the context? The next verse, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> the whole context of this is is really asking within the will of God. Right. You ask for what God wants. Not what you want. Now, granted, they would try and twist us to be like, well, God wants you to have prosperity. As we see, like, yes, God can give you prosperity, but he might 
not. And that's also okay. And you can give glory even in that. Mm-hmm. Um, just the context of this verse is, is just not about money or possessions. And in fact, trying to ask things for your own passions is clearly condemned in the next. Yeah, that's right. Um, let's head on to another verse. I think you had something from third John. Go for it. Do you want to read it? Uh, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be healthy. There's the buzzword healthy. Even as your souls prosper. Third John uh, chapter one, verse two. Yeah. Uh, and this is specifically the world English Bible. Uh, health and wealth is seen here. Prosper and healthy. Now, I noticed, um, especially with this Bible verse, um, that it's the WEB, the World English Bible, that is used. And I think it's used because of that word prosper. Because mm. when I read it in my ESV, it just says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. Yeah. You know, the context of this is it's it's third John. It is the second verse of the first chapter. This is his greeting. He is literally just saying, hey, I hope it's going well with you and that you're in, in good health, that you're healthy right now. Like, how often do we just greet people like that? You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. this isn't something that's saying like, yes, you will prosper. Or you, you should be healthy. It is simply a greeting. Yeah. I mean, in addition, like, do we want to be, do we want others to be healthy? <laughs> of course we do. Like sure. last, night, last night, you know, my, my daughter just got her braces in, you know, and it causes headaches and stuff, you know, pain or whatever. And like, do I want her to be healthy? Like, do I want the pain to go to way, go away? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what did I do before she went to bed? I prayed for her. Yes. And amen. Now, right. does God put people through seasons of pain for our good and his glory? Yeah, yeah, sure does, and you know, and it's probably one of the things I, you know, that is one of the things I prayed for, you know, with my kiddo. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, may the Lord give you peace, and may you rely mm-hmm. on Him in the midst of this, and may you rest well. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm reminded of my. Uh, I have a coworker right now that's just going through the worst of it. The doctors think he either has bronchitis, pneumonia, or both. They're not a hundred percent sure exactly Jeez. what's going on, but he's been coughing up a lung for like Ooh. two weeks. Oof. And it's like, obviously, I wish for him to be healthy and I pray for him to recover, you know, whether that's miraculously or through the, you know, medicine that God has provided through doctors. But with this verse, like praying, I'm not praying for his prosperity, that God would make him like wealthy and rich and keep him from, you know, all disease forever. Like, it's just a greeting for this verse in particular. Let me, let me uh, turn this, turn it around a bit. Go for it. Can suffering be a gift? Uh, absolutely. Suffering produces endurance. That's right. And so that that's one of the, the fatal errors in the prosperity gospel. It has no room for suffering uh, as, as, a, as a positive experience in which you are brought closer to God, a positive experience in which you learn more to walk in Christ's likeness. Right. And, and again, that's a fatal error a fatal error in their, you know, theology or, or worldview, however they would articulate it. Right. Which is, which again, again, Logan, this is where I I say, this is where 
it's not just the Joel Olsteins of the world. It's not the Benny Hens of the world or the mm -hmm. Paula Whites of the world. This is where your run of the mill American church, Protestant church has no, has no category for suffering mm -hmm. um, as a positive good. Um, yeah. As God working in you, despite your circumstances to reveal more of Christ himself to your heart and to your life. Right. And go ahead. I was going to say, like, I'm going to add to that. Like not only through suffering, do you become more like Christ? God oftentimes uses your, your suffering um, as a way to comfort someone else that has gone through that suffering. Yeah. Um, like I lost my mom when I was younger mm. and I've met people that have also lost their mothers. And I, because I've gone through that sort of suffering, I can help. I was going to say pastor them, but I'm not a pastor, but I can be there for them and understand what they're going through mm -hmm. and bring God's light to that situation um, because I've gone through what they've gone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you sympathize, uh, you understand in a way that right. I wouldn't understand, you know, my mom's still alive, whatever else yeah. have you. And so, uh, you know, th this is where you, sh you know, suffering and shared experience are actually a good thing. Um, right. But, but also I would add to that, um, this is where, as you learn the truth of right. what you've gone through, you point other people back to truth. You know, you don't Absolutely. live, you don't live in the shared experience itself. That's yeah. like, that's like the door that gets you into the house to have a conversation yeah. about truth in the midst of suffering. Yes. Yeah. But I'm just thinking like God gets the glory and he has used my suffering to help others. Like that can be the purpose of it. Cause so oftentimes we think like, what's the point? Why am I suffering so much? Mm -hmm. There is a point you just not, might not see it right now. Yeah. It might come down the road. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't have people wallow in it. And like, right. I try to bring them to the truth of the gospel right. and how God can comfort and save someone in the midst of that. Now this is the, the rabbits going on out a little bit here and I'm going to let it go for one more second. But the problem with um, many Christians today is that we live, we don't move past the shared experience. We don't move toward the truth, right? We don't tell ourselves the truth. We, we live in the shared, we sympathize with the shared experience. People use the word empathy. I will we'll get on that today. That is a third rabbit and we are shooting it immediately. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll podcast for later. But anyways, you know, we, we, we get in the door uh, with sympathy and shared experience, but we don't remind ourselves of the truth. And so we, we um, therapeutic deism. That's what that is all of a sudden therapeutic deism. And that's, you know, basically in our churches today. Right. But, but back to the prosperity gospel. So rabbit's back. We got the, we shot the, the, the first rabbit, the second rabbit and the third rabbit. Right. Uh, now we're back on track. Yep. I have one last Bible verse and there are others that they use as well. Oh yeah. Um, but you can kind of use the, the same uh, methodology I use of just look a few verses before and after. Yep. Um, but this is, uh, this is again from the world English Bible. It's Galatians six, seven. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that will he also reap. Mm, yep. You got to sow that seed brother. Yeah. And so there's a principle here that can be true. Sure. Like you work hard, you receive the paycheck. I mean, I think there is a principle of reaping what you sow, mm -hmm. but again, um, what's the expectation? That's the question. Do you think yeah. you deserve what you reap, right? Do you deserve that? No, you don't. 
and in addition, whatever you reap, it's not yours. It's mm-hmm. the Lord's. It's the Lord's. And yeah. if you reap a paycheck, he may tell you in a moment to give it all to charity. Sure. Or whatever, you know. And will you are you willing to be obedient mm-hmm. into anything that you do reap? So I think that the principle is true. I think you go to Proverbs and you'll see, you know, Proverbs is you know filled with um truths. General so, truths. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um go ahead. It comes down to the heart, right? What's our right, yeah. is it a me-centered meology or a theology? Mm-hmm. I think with this passage as well, it's just so helpful again to read the next verse Um, because it's talking about sowing and reaping. Well, what are you sowing in this verse? For the one who sows in his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. It's talking about sin. Like sowing in the flesh is sowing that sin in you fostering sin and it leads to corruption rather than sowing faith, which leads to eternal life. And this is where what you said earlier, and you keep saying like, read it in context is so important because when, after you read it, I'm like, well, there's a principle here, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you, you know, work hard to get a paycheck or whatever. And I, I maintain that's true. There's other passages in Holy scripture that point to that, but you actually kind of called me out without doing it. Like, actually that's not a right interpretation of this particular text. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like if I'm, if I'm preaching circulations and I get here, I'm not going to be talking about working hard to you know receive right. money and wages. I'm going to be talking about the sins that you sow in your life versus yeah. the faith and repentance that you sow in your life. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you. Those general principles you're talking about, I think they, they certainly are present, especially in the book of Proverbs. Um, but it's like these, these, I think I've shown, especially with these passages, you're just taking these one verses that sound like they fit your agenda. But if you read just a little bit more, mm-hmm. you show it's not about what they're talking about. That's right. That's exactly right, man. And we could, we could play this game all day. There's so many verses that get taken out of context. I mean, every verse in Romans eight <laughs> seems to get taken out of context. Uh, Philippians two. I mean, go on and on. Right. Right. Yep. So I hope I hope with this we've we've at least pointed and shown just how twisted this sort of prosperity gospel can be. And I hate that we have to call it the prosperity gospel. Like I know, I know that's what it is. Um, but it's so antithetical to the gospel. I hate even using the word gospel in its name. Yeah. Um, there is, was a good documentary. I think it's called American Gospel. Okay. Uh, and it's worth checking out. Um, maybe you can Google that real quick. Um, American gospel. And it does highlight kind of like part of the dangers of the prosperity gospel. I know Costi Hinn was in it and a couple others. I remember watching it maybe 2021 right around there. And uh, I even sent an email to the church that this is worth your time. Um, sure. It's worth checking out. Let me take uh, a look here. I found it, one from 2008. From when? 2018. That might be it. That might be it. Um, all that, all that to say, we we do think that the prosperity gospel is a false gospel. It's yes. like Paul in Galatians. He's like, don't go down this road. Don't don't you dare. Uh, don't follow them. Um, and we think it's dangerous, and it's and I think it's more widespread than what people realize. And I think we've said that in a couple of different ways. For sure. I think at the end of the day, 
if you're listening, where's your heart ultimately directed toward? Mm -hmm. Is it directed toward God or toward yourself? Um, in all things, whether it's like, why do you go to church? Is it to placate some type of um, feeling that you have that you have to show sure. up? You got to check that box and all of a sudden you feel good about yourself. Right. Or do you go to worship the creator and sustainer of the universe? Right. Yep. Do you go to worship? Instead of, instead of asking, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying, I'm just kind of drawing that out more, which is, are you going to worship the one who has saved you? from your mm -hmm. sin and from hell and has given you hope mm -hmm. um, or are you going for yourself? Yeah. Are you asking what <laughs> this ask? Not what God can do for you, <laughs> how you can glorify God. Right. Uh, who said that? Was it Kennedy? Yeah, it was Kennedy. Not that. He said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Yeah, that, that was, that was Kennedy in like a, his Houston speech, I think, or Dallas. Right. Speech, yeah. So yeah, just stop that. Instead of asking what God is going to do for you, always seek the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. seek his glory and the rest will be given to you. That's, that's you. And well, and as you've rightly shown us, Logan, is that when you, when you hear that Bible verse being preached and taught, um, Look around that verse. Yeah. Get the context. Uh, you, you can't do all things with a Bible verse taken out of context. You mm -hmm. shouldn't, you know? So what does it mean? You know, yeah. uh, that's going to guard you from false teachings in general. Well, we've talked about the yeah. prosperity gospel, but in general, uh, that's what you want to do. Context always matters. It's like, you know, in real estate, they say real estate, real estate. Uh, they say um, location, 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 location. location. Here it's context, context, context. What's the literary yeah. context here? Yeah. So I mean, you should be doing this, I think, for any sermon, right? Yeah. Any sermon that comes out, read the context, make sure that whatever your pastor's preaching flows from what has been said before is oh, in yeah. line and true with what the rest of God of God's word says. Yeah. And I understand that all you know, pastors and preachers, you know, do it like we do, but we that's part of why we go through books of the Bible. Absolutely. And you know, we don't hit everything, but we go verse by verse, you know, we go pretty slowly. Um, you know, we've been in yep. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews for a while. Uh coming up on a year. Yeah. I mean, in you know, we're in chapter eleven. Eleven. I gotta yep. preach it tomorrow, so I should know what's going on. <laughs> you haven't have you written your sermon yet? <laughs> yeah, it's most of it's written. I just gotta Good. go back and clean it. Yeah, we started cleaner. Hebrews in April of last year. Yeah, and it, we know we took breaks every now and then, whatever else happened. Oh yeah, yeah. have not just been Hebrews? But you know what, people, people. I, I said I think I said this last Sunday. Like we went through a very pretty tricky text, um, tricky in the sense of you know from a reform perspective, how do you talk about apostasy? Right. We dealt with that in Hebrews six. It it, uh, it bumps up. At, at, you see it again in Hebrews ten. And so, uh, as I communicated to the church, the reason a reason why we kind of approach the preaching of God's word this way is like. We can't avoid the hard text. We have to follow what God says, you know, and uh, we've got to deal with it verse by verse, verse by verse. And so when it pops up, we got to deal with it. And I know if I don't deal with it, I'm going to get a text message or an email from several of you <laughs> being like, dude, why didn't you address this? You know, and that, and that's a good thing. That's a really good thing, actually. Absolutely. How do you want to land the plane? Uh Land the plane. 
Well, we got the band back together. Uh, we will have some podcasts coming out. Hey, a good way to plug our probably a future podcast in the very near future on apostasy mm. uh, between myself, you, and um, Dean Klein, who's been on this podcast before. And yep. so uh, we've, as we've gone through the book of Hebrews, we kind of decided as a service to our church, let's talk about that in more detail. And so um, Dean is has thought well on that topic of apostasy and how do we think about it as Christians? Sure. Um, whether it's someone who's wa- who's walked away from the church entirely or prodigals, like those, those both exist. Mm-hmm. So th- that'll be coming soon as well. And you know, there's another project that's in the works. I can't I can't um, say too much about it right now, but myself and a couple of the people are working on something that we hope will impact our local communities um, right here in the state of Iowa. And so. Um, Hopefully in the next month or two, I'll have more to share on that. But there's a, another project kind of uh, behind the scenes in the works. So we're, uh, I'm, I'm gathering people, uh, those who are like-minded, mm-hmm. not just pastors, but people of, of all kinds of vocations, um, you know, to, hey, what can we do to impact our community for Christ? So more on that in the near future. Trying to do the Avengers initiative. What's that? Trying to get the Avengers together. Oh yeah, Avengers Assemble. Yeah, with Justice League. Yeah. What? No. I don't know. I don't know. What, you don't like DC? Oh my goodness. I, just I, I, DC, anything. Justice League, Marvel, Avengers. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Yeah, it's all right. I've disappointed people before. Uh Logan, a question for you. Where can people find us? Yep. You can find us on Apple. Is it Apple Music or Apple Podcast? Apple Podcast. Um, Apple Podcast. And then there's Amazon uh, for the two people that listen there. Uh, we love Spotify. you. Uh, yep. Spotify. Uh, as well as you can find us on our website. Yeah. Uh, are, have we merged the two websites or is it still Cornfield Theology? You can still find us at cornfieldtheology.com. I'm working on yep. migrating that over to the church side. Um, things take time though. Uh, and, you also you can find us on YouTube. Yep. YouTube. And I think you can also get to us through redemptionhilldsm.org as well. Yep. So yeah, check out the church. And through that, you can also get to the podcast. Yep, exactly. So anything else you want to add? Nope. Out of practice, but we can, we got to get back on this horse and uh, get a group going. That's right. And we will. So everyone, thanks for listening. We hope this helps you. We want to encourage you in your faith, um, encourage you to think well about the Lord Jesus Christ and um, the impact that he has in your life and in your world. So uh, thanks again for listening. God bless and uh, take care. Bye. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.